Hi there, you're listening to the Estranged Heart Podcast, and I'm your host, Creed Revere. Welcome back to our returning listeners, and if this is your first time here, thank you for selecting this podcast to listen to. As we begin today's episode, I invite you to grab a cup of coffee or tea, settle in, and listen with an open heart. But first, the regular disclaimer. I am not a licensed therapist or counselor. Nothing within this podcast should be considered or taken as therapy. If you are in need of therapeutic support, such as counseling, please seek out a therapist near you. Today's episode is titled, What I Learned from Estrangement Led Me to Create a More Meaningful, Sacred, and Loving Life. Before we dive into today's episode, a couple of announcements. The Recently Reconciled Moms Zoom support group will begin on Saturday, June 17th. If you would like to get in to this group, please feel free to email me at theestrangedheart at gmail.com. Again, theestrangedheart at gmail.com. And in this group, uh, we will be covering topics such as, you know, how to I continue to walk on eggshells and still have a life. Um, what to do when your formerly estranged adult child begins to pull away again. Um, when you're unsure of what to say, what not to say to them now that you're back in recon- um, back in re- relationship with them. Things like that will, will be covered in that support group. And it's really the first cohort of that group. Uh, it was really... It was really interesting because the support that was given and the understanding was was really profound. I and it's not a it's not the type of group that a lot of that's offered out there a lot, right? And when as those who have reconciled will understand we wait so long as an estranged parent to get to reconciliation that we think that before we actually reach that destination that you know things will be so much better and 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 we just get on with life again once we're reconciled and we realize pretty quickly that then that's not the case and we actually are entering into a yet a, a new phase and another phase that is difficult to navigate and and understand the complexities of so if you're looking for support with that please feel free to reach out there will also be uh, a new group coaching that will start in July so be looking for more information on that um, and we'll cover things such as you know when should I reach out how often should I reach out, you know, that type of, of what, what, what type of communication to have. And we'll cover men's letters. We'll talk about how to stop ruminating and, and having just these incessant thoughts that, that occur over and over and over again when we're, when we are estranged. We'll deal with um, what to do with dealing with the guilt, how to navigate into life matters, uh, what to do with siblings when one child is estranged, the others are not, etc. So if you're interested in group coaching versus private one-on-one coaching, um, feel free again to reach out by email, theestrangedheart at gmail.com. 
And also coming this summer is uh, Patreon, where um, it's a membership where I will expand on the weekly podcast episodes. So the weekly episodes will be limited to about 20 minutes or so. And then for the membership community, uh, we'll, we'll actually go into more depth with the topic of that week's episode. And there will also be live interactions with me. Um, I'll have a, a time to meet live with estranged parents and, and if there's an interest live with estranged adult children as well. So be looking for more information to come on that. So today's, as we get started, today's quotes are, I have two, the more you unfold, the less you will unravel. And that is by Rabbi Erwin Kula. And the second is, home is not where you live, but where they understand you. And that is by Christian Morgenstern. So today's topic came about by being in conversation with other people who, other moms, who have talked about what they have learned through estrangement. And from the quote-unquote positive side. And I know that when when we're in it, and especially at the very beginning stages of estrangement, it's, it's next to impossible, if not outright impossible, to see some of these things that I'm going to talk about today. And if you're not in that place, if you're not ready to hear that, it's okay. Skip this episode, right? It's not... Don't put yourself through torture if it's if it's a place that you're not yet ready to be. I will extend the invitation to you to potentially see if it's something that you can sit with from the perspective of, I know I don't have to do this. This might not be for me, but can I get curious about it? And be willing to keep an open mind about it and potentially consider it down the road. Okay? And I think it's also important to to state here that, um, you know, this is, this is a process. <laughs> this is not something that any one estranged parent comes to overnight. It's a process. It's something that takes a lot of work, a lot of effort. It doesn't come automatically. It doesn't come easy for most of us. Um, And in some way, it takes feeling supported in a way that allows these things to rise to the surface. It's kind of like allowing the cream to come to the surface, right? Um, it, it's just not something that inherently just, you know, comes out of the blue. It does take effort. So how did the, the three things that I learned 
from estrangement and how I learned to navigate my life and still navigate my life today is really releasing expectations of others. And that that is one I have to say that I still have to work on from time to time. It's not something that I've that I've aced. The second one is keeping my side of the street clean and I'll get into more of that in a moment and be loving and giving at all times. So those are the three things that I've learned. And the biggest being um the release of expectations. But how did I how did I even get there to have those three th- things realized from my estrangement experience? Well, first of all, I think it's next to impossible for someone to to arrive at any of these points and places without having processed the so-called quote-unquote negative emotions. Right? And if we think about those negative emotions, a lot of those quote-unquote negative emotions arise out of grief. And I find that so amazing that we describe these emotions as negative, yet it is something that is a part of the grieving process. So in essence, we are saying grieving is a negative thing. When in my world... If we can't grieve, we, that's what lands us with hardened hearts. And I'm not saying that everybody necessarily has a safe place to grieve. I do think that grieving needs to be done in such a way as it can be witnessed and held and not judged. And, you know, someone being told, well, you're grieving the right way, the wrong way, or you know, don't do this, do that. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having and feeling safe and expressing these emotions that come with the grieving process. And without being able to express these emotions, we shove them down and they tend to get stuck. And then one of two things happens. Either we hit a trigger point at some point down the road and we explode and everything that we've been shoving down comes out or we keep shoving and shoving and shoving and shoving and our body absorbs all of those those emotions that are really hard and difficult emotions and we get sick and I'm here to tell you I just recently went through that with myself when in my professional world and the amount of stress that I was under And it literally caused me to have high blood pressure. And when I resigned from my position, um, that high blood pressure went away. So I know for a fact that shoving our emotions down can cause us to have illnesses and or disease. Okay. So we have to, we have to be able to express those negative emotions. And when I say negative in my world, they're not negative. The general, general society looks at them as negative. I don't. But what are the, what are those? Shock, right? When we first are estranged, we go through this period of disbelief, of shock. Where am I? Just this disorientation. Where am I? What is going on? How did I get, like, just 
I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe my kids aren't talking to me. How, what, what the hell happened? How do I get out of this? That is shock. Then comes the bargaining and pleading and begging, right? Just talk to me. Please just talk to me. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll say whatever you need me to say. Just talk to me, right? And then that is usually followed by anger because most of us don't get what we are asking for when we're begging and pleading. So then we get angry. And then once we can move through the anger piece, then we get sad. And there's just this deep sadness that takes over, right? And again, as we know with grief, these emotions can, um, you know, they ebb and flow and, and they come and go and it's not, you know, they may not necessarily happen in order, but that's the general gist of them. So I had to figure out a way when I was going through my estrangement to express those emotions. And I did that through therapy. I was able to get myself into um, and work with a therapist, number one, who specialized working with kids and adolescents. Um, she did not have experience that I knew at the time working with estrangement. I didn't know what estrangement was, let alone having the wherewithal to ask for a therapist that worked with estrangement, right? And I needed someone to witness my pain, my pain. I needed someone to witness that and say that I had every right to feel the way that I was feeling. All of my feelings were normal and I was not this abnormal freak walking around in the world, right? And she also encouraged me to get curious. She encouraged me to have some curiosity around my own childhood and the childhood that my daughters experienced. And again, that did not come overnight. It didn't come on like the, you know, the third time I walked into her office. I am talking, this went on for months and years, right? I didn't stop going to therapy when I reconciled with my kids. This has been an ongoing process for me. So that that's kind of the backstory on how I got to, to these, these three things. And so let's dive into this release of expectations, right? Expectations, I think, can be a um, disguised as a need for control, which I find um, very interesting that our need to control... Um, can stem from a host of different things. A lot of times it's anxiety. It's in trying to um, work through our anxiety about the unknown, right? When we are placed in a position where we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We don't know when our kids are going to talk to us. We don't know what tomorrow's going to look like because by God, when we finally made the realization that the kids were estranged from us, holy hell, the, our whole world was upended, right? So that needing to control things 
stem can stem from that. It can stem from from trauma, any sort of traumas that we've experienced. It can stem from childhood experiences, learned behaviors. Um, some personality disorders are more prone to uh, have this need for control. Um, but in general, for the bulk of the population, for those of us who are estranged, it it really stems from this fear of the unknown and I believe trauma in our childhood experiences and, um, you know, the fear of the unknown lead is anxiety and can lead to OCD and things like that. So, um, but I think that, that the, the need to have an expectation, the expectation that our children are going to take care of us in our old age right? That calms our quote unquote fear of the unknown. What's going to happen to us when we get old? Oh, well, my kids will take care of me, right? That's an expectation. And it, and it is a way of controlling your life, your world. So I know I'm going to be cared for because I know my kids are going to take care of me in my old age. So I had to get comfortable with living with the unknown. And so what I had to, the question that came up for me was, what, what am I needing in those moments that I'm trying to control other people? And for me, it was that, you know, living with the unknown, what, okay, so what is my need? My need is to know what's going to happen. Why do I need to know what's going to happen? Hmm, where in my childhood did I not know what was going to happen that might have caused me some anxiety? Hmm, perhaps that was the time when my parents divorced and my dad went away and I didn't know if he was coming back the next day or the day after that or the week after that or the month after that or the year after that, right? So I lived with this whole thing in my world, in my world, and then I, then I ended up in careers that did the same thing, being able to control situations. So I controlled my kids. And then I had all these expectations of what the world, my world, was supposed to look like. And estrangement taught me really quick that I can't have expectations because I can't control other people. So then I also had to come to a place with my own mom, speaking from the perspective of an adult child who had once been estranged. I had to realize through my therapy process what my parents were actually capable of giving and what they weren't. And that is still something I'm still dealing with today in my mid-50s, is recognizing sometimes our parents just don't have it to give in the way that we want them to give it to us. And when I say it, that could be anything from attention to listening to us to, you know, understanding that talking about a particular subject is something that I don't want to hear about or I want to hear more about and they don't want to talk about it, those types of things, right? 
So getting to this place where I had to work on getting comfortable with the unknown. I had to deal with my own anxiety and recognize that was my issue. It was not the issue of my kids. And when I, when I learned that, and it wasn't the issue of my parents, when I learned that, it had that ripple out effect that estrangement has, but in a good way, because I released, began to release the expectations of other people. And that frees other people up to not feel this, that we have this, this expectation and then them have an ob- feel obligated to do this, that, or the other thing. That's a heavy, that's a heavy load to carry. And it's not something, it's not one that we stop and think about a lot. We don't, we don't just really stop and think about what we are asking of other people and how that might actually feel for that other person, right? So those are things that I had to work through in order to learn how to release expectations. The second thing was keeping my side of the street clean. That's basically another way of saying I can only control me. I can't control what my kids do. I can't control what the boss does. I can't control what my friends do. I can't control what my clients do. I can only control me. And when I'm tending to me and my side of the street, so to speak, I have less time to be concerned about what others are doing or not doing. Because I'm here to tell you, my, my life, and I'm sure that most everyone else out there is the same way. Like, I got enough on my plate. And so when I was able to release expectations of others, and I began focusing on me and what I needed to do for me, then I had less time to worry about what they were doing, not doing, how they were doing it, why they were doing it, all these things. And I released them, so to speak, to live their life in whatever way is working for them at the moment. I knew that I would be present and ready to welcome them back when they were ready to come back. But in the meantime, I was, I was getting on with my life. And it's much more difficult to get on with our life when we're concerned about what someone else is doing or not doing. And then I had to consider what needs I had, right? You know, again, what, what do I need? And then I had to figure out a way to get those needs met, but not through my children, right? And I think that that is... That's something that we do as parents. We we can saddle our children with a lot of having to tend to our needs. And many times that that is very off-putting for our children to be our caretakers. And I mean caretakers in the sense of emotional caretakers, mental care, you know, caretakers, not necessarily just physical caretaking. And then finally, uh, 
be loving and giving at all times. Um, I did this to the best of my ability. I still do it today to the best of my ability. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. Um, and I try to own up to those mistakes when they happen. I apologize. Um, I've learned through estrangement the importance of taking accountability and making amends. Um, but I was, I was able to do that through my therapy process, right? Um, I thank you, shout out to my therapist, because she's the one who taught me what it what, what it felt like to be to to be on the receiving end of kindness and compassion from another person from another human being and when i was able to actually experience that and i mean feel that within my body that i was not being judged that i was accepted for who i was in the moment right there as I was. I felt a freedom and a love unlike anything else before. And then I came to this place where I was like, how could I withhold that from my own children? If I could see myself in that place of being a imperfect human being, and someone else was able to hold kindness and compassion and love for me, how could I possibly withhold that from my own children? So I believe that my gratitude practice helped with that. Um, it helped me to keep that frame of mind most of my day, every day. Um, and if I'm giving, I can't be taking and consuming all the time, right? So if I'm giving love and I'm giving kindness and I'm giving compassion, I'm not just taking, 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 taking. And then from that perspective, I'm leading my children by demonstrating firsthand for them what my therapist did for me understanding that they are human beings who are imperfect and that they have much less life experience than I do. And they are simply doing as I have been doing my entire life, trying to figure out this thing called life and where do they fit and how does this feel to me and how do I navigate this and, and, they're going to hurt people along the way. Hurt people, hurt people. And I'm not saying that as a, an excuse. I'm not say, saying that to give anybody a pass or anything like that. I am simply offering that as an explanation so that we can reach within and understand that we too have done very similar things Maybe not exactly to our parents, but maybe we did that to a friend. Maybe we've done this to a sibling. And so I'm just offering that for consideration. 
again, I didn't come to this in the first six months of estrangement. I didn't come to all of this even once I got in, was reconciled. This is a process. And this is what I work with my clients on in coaching is how to get to this place where we can have an open heart, where all of our pain can be felt and witnessed and held so that we don't get stuck in the hardness and the hatred and in the sadness that shuts us off from the rest of society. Because the last thing this world needs is more hardened hearts. What this world needs is more loving, giving, kindness, tenderness, and vulnerability. And it's very difficult to get there if we've not experienced that for ourselves. It's difficult to give that to another person if we've not experienced it for ourselves. So I will leave you with that. If you have input, would like to reach out, please feel free to do so. Again, I can be reached via email at theestrangedheart at gmail.com. This brings this episode to a close. I hope that this time together was time you feel well spent and that you are able to find some takeaway nuggets to help you on your journey, wherever you may be on your estrangement and reconciliation path. If you feel you've received something helpful or positive from this podcast, please consider following us, sharing this podcast with others, leaving a positive review, perhaps entertaining becoming a guest on our show or following us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok under the same name, The Estranged Heart. As a reminder, there is an online support group on Facebook. If you are a estranged mom who identifies as being spiritual and approaches estrangement with a sense of curiosity rather than blame and judgment and desire to do inner self-work and reflection, please seek us out. We can be found at facebook.com backslash estranged mothers support group. And lastly, if you are an estranged parent or an estranged adult child and would like to have your story shared on the podcast anonymously or not, please reach out to me via email at theestrangedheart at gmail.com.